Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and in this episode, I am joined by Brett Hornig and Leah Yingling to preview the 2023 Lake Sonoma 50. We analyze the course, we talk about what it's going to take to be successful, we know some of the interesting storylines around the event, and we make our picks for the female and male top three finishers this year. Before we get started, though, this episode is brought to you by my good friends at Trails and Tarmac, who remind you that your dreams are not that far away. The coaching team there, led by Brett Hornig, can take your running to the next level. Personally, I've worked with them for over six years on road and trail projects, and I can tell you it's going to feel really good when you do something you didn't know you could do. So head over to trailsandtarmac.com. All of this is linked in the show notes as well. Mention the Single Track Podcast when you're filling out a contact form, and you will receive $120 off your first three months of coaching. This episode is also brought to you by Rabbit. Rabbit makes the absolute best apparel in our sport. Not only that, they make really comfortable lifestyle apparel too. I mean, as I am recording this, I'm wearing their Joggerounds product, which I think are the most comfortable sweatpants I've ever worn. Sometimes I wear them for days on end, and I truly lament when I have to put them in the wash and go without them for a bit because they are just that comfortable. Anyways, if you're in the market for new kit and you want to support the podcast in the process, head over to Rabbit's website, restock on some gear, and use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. And with that, let's get started. First impressions, Lake Sonoma is competitively relevant again. I think this is the first time since maybe 2019 pre-COVID that we have a certified barn burner of a field in front of us to analyze. I'm joined by frequent colleagues, friends, co-conspirators, Brett Horning and Leah Yingling to help break all of this down. Leah, what's up in your world right now? It's been a minute since Black Canyon. Yeah, I've been um, having fun working, training, and getting ready for my next race, which will be uh, the Bull Run 50 miler in Virginia uh, next weekend. So recently came off of Way Too Cool, where I had a blast racing against some of my good friends, Katie Asmuth in particular. So just ready to kind of get the season rolling a little bit more. Right on. Brett, what's up with you? Tabor time. We've made it. That's all. <laughs> we, we're, I don't know. I guess I'm feeling rested. We've made it. We're back. Are you saying we may have a potential conflict of interest in, in this uh, analysis episode here? <laughs> oh man, I sure hope so. That would be great. I would love to have a good race at Sonoma. That one's eluded me for a couple tries. I, I know in a lot of these, uh, pre-race episodes, we talk about why the race is exciting, what it means in the greater context of the sport. For me, I I know that there's no Western States or UTMB implications here. It's not like it was in the past, but it is a qualifier for the ADK team in Austria this June. And uh, it's the closest we get to the Olympics in our sport. You grew up watching the Olympics every single year. You rah-rah for your country. There's the team aspect. And I think that this qualifying race to the worlds in june is the closest thing we have in our sport right now to that so that's why i get excited but uh how about you guys yeah so i think for me like i i loved how competitive like sonoma was for years and years and years and it was really cool to see kind of people kick off their spring season with a competitive uh, barn burner at Sonoma. So I know there was a lull there through the COVID years and a couple years resurgence after it wasn't bringing the competitive field anymore. But I'm just excited to see there be another competitive 50 miler here in the States again. Um, I, I have interesting feelings and conflicting feelings about it being the qualifier for a very mountainous world's team. Um, but I'm sure we can get into that more. Mm. However, I'm really excited uh, to see some of the, the best yes. of the best compete against each other uh, next weekend. Yeah, I mean, this it's almost kind of like a nostalgic race. It's like one of the first ultras that I had friends run and compete in. And it kind of turned into, it was like the North Face 50 mile of the spring, where it was very similar fields. Whereas one was just kind of at the end of the season and people were, I mean, a lot of people were coming in on fumes to the North Face 50 mile. It was kind of the opposite with Lake Sonoma, whereas like all these massive names are going to come, but you never really have any idea how fit anyone's going to be. Um, and it was always just so mind blowing how fast people would run on this course with how difficult it actually is. Um, and it was one of the first early season races that I got to see firsthand where people would just like, go for it and completely trash themselves go to the well and like squeeze every ounce of you know effort out of them for this race um so because 
so kind of for those reasons and just like the level of competition and the history that the race has, it's been one that I've always wanted to go to. Right on. Yeah. Leah, you mentioned that this may not be the most appropriate race to match what the USA team is going to be facing in Austria in June. I know we're still in this uh, era where COVID kind of messed some things up. And like we had the Thailand event happen last fall and whatever it is, eight months later, it's happening in Austria. So they had to make some sort of compressed schedule this winter and spring in terms of qualification races. But were there other races out there that come to mind that would have been more specific? Yeah, that's the problem. Um, There really aren't. Um, Because I think whenever you start talking about a world's qualifier, you have to eliminate a race at altitude from the conversation to try to even the playing field a little bit. So I think that's where there ends up being some struggles. You would need a really mountainous 50 miler in, let's say, California. So maybe something like, um, oh, nine trails, like nine trails, perhaps, or something a little longer than nine trails, something that's, you know, at sea level, but still has a lot of vert. I think that'd be a better option. But honestly, there's still very few races that come to mind that would be a good qualifier for the world's team. I think uh, we need to go back to the drawing board there. Oh yeah. Nine trails is actually, that's a pretty good one. I was thinking Sean O'Brien, but nine trails is even way punchier. Um, Okay. Hot take. Even though I'm racing this in hopes of a world spot, I don't think there is, I don't think having a qualifier race is necessary. Oh, I don't think so either. And like, like that's what fr- France I mean, does. It's, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I was about to say, like, it's not very American to just leave it to the governing body to pick the best team, but I, I bet, I bet the, I bet we get a better team out of just five applications than a qualifying race and the remaining out of applications. There's Brett's hot take of the episode, just throwing it out there in the first like five minutes. Well, that's the truth too. And like, I mean, we could record a whole episode on this, but I think that's why a country like France does so well is like they pick the best of the best at this distance and at the terrain for this race. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like we saw three women in, I mean, the top 10 easily, maybe the top five last year on the world stage at this race because of that. Um, And then our qualifier last year was Broken Arrow, which was, you know, 42K or 46K. So not exactly representative of the 50 mile distance. So, yeah, I I vote for all resume spots, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. I agree with you. I'll say if I got a spot, the system's broken. Yeah, my my last art, my last argument, too, is like, I think there's the people who will win this race and that will talk about getting podium spots. I think there's a very different group of people in this race who would be our best world's team. Uh, and I think those could very well be different results. Definitely. Like if you had this exact field for Lake Sonoma, but you got to run it on the world's course this weekend, I bet the podiums are completely totally. different. And what's something that's interesting too, is the world spot does not roll down. So it's the top three, um, at Lake Sonoma get the option to join the world's team. If somebody does not take it or if somebody's a Canadian like Anne-Marie Madden, um, that spot does not roll down to number four. Wait, there's no fifth place roll down. Did I make that up in my head? You made that up in your head. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Just to make purely to make this interesting and to play devil's advocate, Every single year or every single championship after 2023 is going to have a two-year window. And in that two-year window, our uh, quote-unquote random ballers are going to have a chance to, to build a resume that's worthy of consideration for this team. And they lose in the current process because they literally had less than six months to make a name for themselves between Thailand and uh, Lake Sonoma. And so I, I do think in this year in particular, the qualification system makes sense for the random ballers out there. But I, I do agree that after that, it's kind of fair game because if we didn't have a qualification system, it would bias all the people that uh, made a name for themselves in the sport in like 2017, 18, 19, 21, et cetera. Totally. Yeah. And I don't know if we're quite to a point in the sport yet where like the governing body is getting paid off by some company that sponsors some athlete, you know, to make sure that they get on the world's team. Like, I don't know if that kind of corruption is quite there yet. Cause that's been a problem with like picking Olympic teams for some other countries and some athletes getting left out, you know, for like track and field. But I don't know if I quite see that happening to 
like the world mountain running team. I was just going to correct myself because Anne-Marie Madden is probably a bad example. Um, I think if, um, if there's like Canadian in the top four spots, let's say, um, or top three spots, it would roll down. But if somebody denies their spot, like a U.S. uh, candidate, it would not roll down. Mm -hmm. So, And then that just goes to another application. Correct. Yep. I want to throw this hypothetical out to both of you for all the resume builders out there that aren't doing like Sonoma and trying to qualify automatically. Let's take an Eric LaPuma, for example, who had an excellent race in Thailand last year. Is there anything that he could have done in between Thailand and Austria this year to actually hurt his chances? Like he had a phenomenal race at Chuckanut, but it was a third. It wasn't a win at a race he was probably capable of winning on a certain day. Does that actually hurt his chances if he applies for the team and goes for a resume spot? I don't think so. I think something that, yeah, yeah I think I like don't think so. the priority for a world's team is like consistency. And I think that's something Eric LaPuma has is consistency. So, and I think that third place, fourth place shows that, um, that he could still be at the front of the pack. So yeah, I don't think that necessarily hurts anyone's chances. Okay. I'm just looking at our list here. A couple other things that we want to talk, cover. Prize money. There's prize money at Sonoma this year. Uh, oh, yeah. They're paying on a fifth. We got two grand for the winner and then a thousand, seven fifty, five hundred, two fifty. So that's kind of cool. Kind of cool to see them putting, you know, just a little bit of incentive on the line as well. Or at least just like a thank you for winning our <laughs> race. Yeah, that is cool. I feel like, um, we don't actually see it go five deep very often. So that's nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this, these fields are actually deep enough where paying out to fifth, that makes sense. I don't think that seems, I don't think that's excessive. Lee, I'm, I'm curious to get your take here first. How different do you think the men's and women's 80 K teams are going to look this year compared to last year? Like how many returners are we going to see and how many open slots are we going to see? I think they are going to be entirely different ADK teams. Um, let's say with the exception of maybe one person on each team might be the same. I think entire ADK team will be different. So maybe one person's the same, but four are going to be different people, which I think is going to be very cool. Um, I, we're seeing an interesting mix of where the competition's going this year. And it's, you know, early season golden ticket races. It's, formidable it's like chuck a nut way too cool uh gorge this past weekend mm. and yeah my one of my biggest takeaways from doing this research is i feel like the women's race here is more stacked than the women we have there's just as many women that are like competitive names on the start line as there are men if not more which is interesting given Mm -hmm. the makeup of races historically. Like you look at any start line and it's largely, usually 75 to 80% men, um, 25%, uh, 20 to 25% women. And the fact that I could probably pull more competitive women's names in Mm -hmm. this race um, just completely stood out to me, which I think speaks to the time that women are having in ultra running right now. Yeah, that is super cool. Yeah, it's, uh, well, shoot, I had a good question lined up. And now that I'm looking at the field, I'm like, wow, you're right. <laughs> These are incredible. Um, oh, it, it's, it was surprising to me. This is more people than I thought there would be to show up to try and qualify for the world's team. And to that point, I wonder how many people are doing this race, Lake Sonoma, because there's going to be so many resumes getting thrown into the mix for the race that they feel like, yes, I'm a great runner in this sport, but maybe maybe resume is not enough here. And I need to, to get on this start line, um, as a, as a opportunity to further pad the chances. Yeah. And all these people are like foregoing their shot at canyons for, you know, like a last chance golden ticket race, or maybe even just securing that top 10 spot to get into OCC, CCC or UTMB. So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool that there's like there's seems to be momentum building towards the popularity of the world championships and i don't know if it's just that it's on my radar now more in like the recent year or two than like pre-covid but it 
It seems like worlds are getting kind of cool. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think I want to say a large part of that has to do with um, the increased media following around the race last year and also how much hype was around it, given that it had to be postponed a year. And I think there's just so much energy mm-hmm. with the like co- combining the events for the first time ever. I think also with like Instagram being the place it is these days where like it looks very different than it did probably the last time we sent a world's team. So a lot more people are on social media, media these days, information's getting out there. And I think people really caught the bug with the last world's event. Want a quick break to give you another discount code. This episode is also brought to you by HVMN, which are my choice for exogenous ketones. I was introduced to exogenous ketones at the Havelina 100 back in the fall of 2022, and after some testing, they quickly became a part of my daily routine to support energy and focus, and I've even started using them in the middle of long runs to support endurance and recovery. In 2023, my nutrition plan will be both high carb and high ketone, and for the latter, HVMN will be my product of choice. So if you're interested in trying them out yourself, use code SINGLETRACK20 at checkout on their website for 20% off your next order. One more uh, interesting note, uh, Ketone IQ, which is HVMN's flagship product, can be found in local Sprouts stores nationwide starting April 1st. With that, let's get back to the conversation. Let's talk about this women's team. Um, or sorry, the women's field at Lake Sonoma. Analysis, predictions, picks, etc. Leah, do you have any interesting ways of organizing the field like you did last time for our Black Canyon picks? As a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> All right. We're banking on that. Um, my first headlining topic is, it is a CCC reunion. So we've got... Yes. Top 15 from CCC. We had, I mean, I when I was out at UTMB this year, I just kept speaking to the fact of like all the North Americans. We had top, we had 10 North Americans in the top 25 in the women's field at CCC. Um, we have three of the women from the top 15 who are running uh, Lake Sonoma, which I think is really exciting because I think anybody that can run in the top 15 at CCC is a fantastic mm. candidate for the world's team. And also um, likely would perform well at Lake Sonoma. So that includes Hannah Allgood, Aaron Clark, and Tara Fraga. Um, I think, oh gosh, I don't want to get their positions wrong because I won't try, but I think Aaron, I'll try. Aaron was seventh, I think. Tara, 11th. Hannah, 14th. Is that right? Yeah. I The only one I don't have written down is Hannah's, but the, the seventh and 11th nice. was correct. Nice. Okay. So that's... <laughs> 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 Okay. (laughs) Um, That's storyline number one, and I can dive into each of those athletes if you want. But then my storyline number two are those people who narrowly missed a spot at Formidable 50K to be on the world's 40K team this year. And that includes Claire Rhodes, who was in a very, very close third place to Kimber Maddox and MK Sullivan. And those are two of our very most impressive 50 K runners in the United States right now, if not our two best mountain 50 K runners. So the fact that Claire Rhodes, who was honestly a newer name for me after at Mammoth Trail Fest this year, um, I think she's making a splash and it's really cool to see her um, coming for another world spot here at Lake Sonoma. And uh, Christina, Ran- Oh, Allison Baca was fourth place at formidable. And then Christina Randrop was fifth. So we have three, four, and five from Formidable, given the 50-miler a shot. So that's a cool storyline. And we've also got, I think, I feel like I come back to this topic every single recording, but our yeah. fast roadie trail converts, which is Sarah Beal and Sarah Cummings, who have both been JFK 50-mile champs. Um, both of those two, Sarah Beal with the course record and Sarah Cummings with the third fastest time at JFK. So both have the leg speed and both have thrown down in trail races. So we know that they can have a shot at Sonoma and then some mountain crushers like Sarah Kyes, Emily Schmitz and Abby Levine. And then I have my whole category of up and comers like I do in every race. And it's like Shea Aquilano, Aquilano, Natalie Sandoval, Lindsay Herman. And then I've also put Christina Randrup in that category as well. Can you talk for a bit, because we were talking offline or we were texting offline about Sarah Kai's training and how that really stood out for us. And she's been a strong runner in the sport for many years, but it looks like she's put a lot of effort and soul into this training block. So maybe give the audience some insight into what's been going on there. 
Yeah, I um, her training came on my radar probably about two months ago when I was glancing. I have when I want to waste time, I just go to like race entrance list. And I'm like, oh, who's racing? And I saw that Sarah Kais is racing this. And I was like, oh, I wonder what her training's been looking like because she lives in upstate New York. And I'm sure training through a winter in upstate New York is no easy feat. So I started to glance at her training. And I know she was coached by David Roach at some point. I don't know if she's still coached by him. Um, and her training is phenomenal. She doesn't, she's not super high mileage, but every single run she does is top notch and really high quality and her workouts are big and she nails them. So I think like many runs of the week, she's throwing down, you know, 10 to 16 milers at 630, 640 pace regularly. And then we'll do a long run. I think one of the most notable long runs I saw from her was like 25 and a half miles with 4,000 feet at 720 pace and like a gap pace of six, 630. Um, like, and no, no, no stop time. So she's crushing it. I am really excited to see what she does. I know she's had a lot going on in her personal life this last six months or so. So I think it's probably a lot of energy that she's just really invested in her training. And she's somebody that's just been able to prove that she can battle it out on a mountain course, can battle it out in a faster course. She got a golden ticket at Black Canyon a couple years back. So I think like she's, I know she's not a dark horse, but like we, she hasn't been in the conversation recently. And I don't think I like, she's kind of my dark horse pick for Lake Sonoma, just with like how incredible her training has been looking. I mean, that was so much more complete than my list. I mean, I've got a lot of similar names written down, but not quite categorized as as well. Um, I'm curious with, so it's going to be a little bit warm on race day. Um, that hike has kept, it's continued to creep up. Um, so now we're looking like mid to high 70s by race day. How much is that going to affect this field and where these people are training and coming from? Because- yeah, I feel like, you know, even it's a 6.30 start time, but it does heat up relatively early over there. So even by 10 or 11 o'clock, it'll feel kind of warm. Um, and on the way back, it'll definitely feel hot. So how many people who are still getting, who are still in winter are going to just get blasted with heat and also probably seasonal allergies because everything's blooming like crazy over there? Cause there's a lot of people coming from the mountains. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of people coming from the mountains. I don't think there's a ton of people who have been training in the heat or desert. I think Natalie Sandoval is, she trains in Arizona and she's one of the only women, women on that side that comes to mind. But I think you do need to be doing some type of heat training or sauna training, maybe, maybe like, you know, semi-regularly to have a slight advantage in this, because I think even if it's 72 degrees, 72 degrees is going to feel. Yeah, totally. I mean, fortunately there will be some big water Mm. crossings on the course this year. I mean, they're still, they still haven't really officially said that they're going to run the full course. Um, yeah. And we're recording on April 2nd. You know, I think they said Monday, they'd make a call. They're planning on having the full course ready um, cause there's some massive water crossings where they're like building bridges. Yeah. And I think you can speak to this probably a little bit more intelligently than I can, Brett, but I do think it's a slight ever so slightly altered course from past years. I think there's like a section either in the beginning or the end, that's not quite the same. And I think they took out a little out and back to an aid station that used to. Exist. Yeah. So is the very, f- so I guess the differences on this course that they changed. So they changed the entire start and finish area. Um, the race starts in a different parking lot um, this year. So the race starts about like two miles down from where the race originally started. So you actually start on like, it's a pretty beefy climb. It's like 800 feet or 700 feet in the first two miles. And it's all on a road. Um, and that's just to let the race spread out before dropping into the trail. Um, that allowed them to eliminate that out and back on what was the last aid station um, in previous years, you didn't have to do the out and back on the way out. You did have to do it on the way back. Uh, but now that aid station's pushed right up to the trail. So there's no out and back anymore. And then at the turnaround, you had, used to do this little lollipop sort of thing. And it's, it's much more of just a, you're out and immediately turn around. They shortened that part as well. Um, Cause I think they actually needed to shave off a little bit of distance. Um, so yeah. And then the race now finishes 
Um, it doesn't finish on the road coming down. It finishes on a even steeper single track trail as you like just fly straight down into the parking lot. So now it's got this steep downhill finish. Um, time-wise, I could see the course maybe being a little bit slower, especially with just how the conditions are. I mean, the entire course has been destroyed this entire winter. They've gotten so much rain over there. And then even a couple of weeks ago when they did their course uh, training runs, they couldn't even run the full course because the mile there's a big like drainage at mile 13 and it was, it was like 30 feet wide or something like that. So um, still a couple question marks about the course, but they're planning on running the main one as of, as of right now. Leah, going back to those categories uh, you listed off for the runners, who are some of the strongest contenders within those categories in your mind? Like, are you pulling any particular list from each one into a potential top three? Yeah, I, um, Oh gosh, that's a hard question because I'm pulling a little bit of pulling people from every category. I think our CCC reunion group is we're going to see two podium spots, I think, out of that group. And then I think the third podium spot's going to be a grab bag between my narrowly missed a spot at Formidable and my Mountain Crushers. So <laughs> I don't know if we're going to go through like who we see on our podiums yet, but... I think um, I can definitely see one of those podium spots going to Claire Rhodes, Allison Baca, who narrowly missed spots at Formidable, and then kind of between Sarah Kai's. Oh, and I don't know if I mentioned Emily Schmitz. Um, she's has, had a top five spot at OCC in the past. So I think she lives abroad. Um, so we don't hear about her a ton in the U.S., but super strong runner for Hoka, who has had like, extreme success in the mountains. So I think she's a candidate who would make a great uh, – teammate for the world's team, but perhaps like Lake Sonoma might not be her strength. I don't really know, but um, that was a name that came to mind. But I think CCC reunion group is who I'm uh, holding up pretty high here. And that's Hannah Allgood, Aaron Clark, and Tara Fraga. Are there any, is there any love for random ballers out there in the women's field? Cause could this be a race where we uh, uh, where we're intro the ultra running community is introduced to a few new names. I don't, unless you're not familiar with Claire Rhodes and Allison Baca, who might be like the least familiar names in the field, I don't think it, there's going to be any space for a random baller in this race. And I guess that that would kind of be a true random baller is we shouldn't know about them yet, Finn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> yeah. Like, how can I call a random baller? That's a little point. They're supposed to surprise me. If, if, you, if you do the deepest research possible, they appear. Yeah, I guess that's true. They are on the entrance list. <laughs> um, Leah, what are your, what are your picks? Okay, are we going? Who, who's taking the Who's taking the 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 not golden tickets, but who's taking the entries to Austria? <laughs> oh, this is hard. Okay, so we're just gonna do let's do podium here, and I'm gonna start number three. I have um, I have Hannah Allgood getting third place, and. This is, I'm excited for Hannah's race because I think the world's team is what really speaks to her and her training has just been absolutely incredible. She had a great 2022 where I think she really came onto the radar of a lot of fans of ultra running with a huge race at Gorge 100K last year, um, race CCC. And I know she didn't have quite the day she wanted to have there. And her goal this year, her A goal is 100% to get back on that CCC start line and uh, have her day. So I'm excited to see her do that. And I think making the world's team is step one in achieving that. So she raced Black Canyon this year and had to pull out a portion of the way through that race. So I think all of her training is leading in this direction. And I think she's going to pull out a podium spot. Um, Number two, this is, I'm just going to make this decision right here. I'm going to say Claire Rhodes. I, I don't know how much, this might be her first 50 miler. One of you guys could probably fact check me on that. Um, she, I just think the way she raced with Kimber and MK all day at Formidable speaks a lot to the athlete she is. And I'm really excited to see her putting her name in another competitive field. I think she really excels in the mountains and with the hilly stuff that Lake Sonoma will offer. So I think she'll be a surprise on the podium. And then winning the race, I've got Erin Clark. Um, huge Erin Clark fan over here. I know she applied for the world's team last year and I don't think made it um, via resume. And I know that was a goal of hers coming into this year. And just the way 
I saw her race CCC last year. It was incredible. She was in the mix all day long. She battled. And I mean, if Zach Miller, she's like has a Zach Miller-esque finish. If I think she ended up having a sprint finish. I want to say like Meg McKenzie um, in the CCC finishing stretch and just like gutted it out. So I think Erin is, I mean, naturally probably the fastest woman in the field. I know she's got a 33-minute 10K to her name um, when she raced for uh, Colorado. So just, I think she has all the tools. Like we've seen her succeed extraordinarily on the world stage of CCC. Combine that with her leg speed. She's been throwing down in a Missoula winter. I think she's going to have an amazing day. Mine's a little different. Okay, so uh, third place, I've got Sarah Kyes to start the podium. Um, yeah, kind of like what, I mean, you guys totally convinced me after when we were texting, just talking about her training, I went back and looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is very good. Um, uh, yeah. Shameless plug trails and tarmac's newest coach, great coach. Um, and second, I've got Hannah Allgood, uh, for you know a lot of the reasons you said, Leo, where it's like, yeah, like, it, you know, it sounded like her heart just kind of wasn't in there for Black Canyon, but then ultimately that turned into kind of a great training run. Um, you don't get totally 100K trashed. Um, she was able to jump back into her training, and it's looked fantastic. Um, and then I also had Aaron Clark to win the race. Uh, yeah, yeah. so either we're both right or oh. we're both wrong. How does that make you feel that we both picked the same winner? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm getting i'm getting better i'm nervous no i feel good about this <laughs> yeah she can i just erin had a great workout recently where she did like mile repeats with like i think a couple minute recovery at like 5 20 5 30 maybe 5 30 something i don't know it was awesome she's super fast and i think um yeah, she's doing a lot of solid workouts leading into this too so i think she knows exactly what the lake sonoma course requires so I have faith in that number one pick, Brett. I, I am certainly adding nothing novel or controversial to the mix here. At number three, I have Aaron Clark. Leah, I love the the CCC reunion classification. So Aaron Clark at three, Han Allgood at two. I still can't get over the fact in a good way that she is an ultra runner that watches game film. I, that is amazing to me. And then <laughs> Sarah Kai's number one. I'll, I'll take her number one. Got to give her love. Oh, East nice. Coast Crusher, getting it done in the frozen tundra that is Lake Placid, New York. Uh, veteran of the sport. And it looks like she's uh, just having the training of her life. So um, those three. One thing I will add to the discussion here before we get to the men's field. I think it'd be fun to speculate on people that have thrown potential resumes into the mix versus people that are trying to qualify here. My sources, I'm using sources plural, have told me that uh, Claire Gallagher really wants to be on this team. Jen Lichter really wants to be on this team. So like they might be throwing resumes in. I've heard Georgia Porter. I've heard Kelly Wolf. If, if like if this podium, like Sarah Kai's Hannah Allgood, Aaron Clark team joins some of those resume people, uh, Leah, do you think that this team is capable of winning a gold medal at the 80K in Austria? Oh, yeah, 100%. I either dreamt about this last night or I had a conversation with, like, Mike regarding this. But, like, I could dream up a world's team from this race, like, three people from this team combined with Claire and then one of the other names that you just mentioned. And that is 100% a gold medal team at the world's 80K. Is there any part of you that would renege on your Western States entry and uh, throw your resume into the mix? It would be it would be like if a Western States doesn't happen or I hear like word that it wouldn't happen, something like that, then I'd put my uh, my resume in for the world's team. Yes. But no, I, I wouldn't back out on Western States. It would be a just in case type of entry. Mm. Western States is still Bay for Leah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mike was trying to convince me to do both. And I was like, oh, bad idea. <laughs> it's a t- it's a way tougher double this year uh-huh. because there's only two weeks like two weeks in between um like the last time it was like nicely doable well not nicely but doable ish was i think 2016 when it was in annecy um there was like three weeks or That's three nice. and a half weeks in between so that helps that makes a big difference i feel like you could maybe get away with the the 40k event and then two weeks later turning around with western states but i wouldn't go higher than the marathon yeah, I know. I was initially like, maybe I should try on a 40K option, but 
that idea. I'd 100% so last do both. One last point I did want to make, and Brent, you could probably speak to this because you have run Sonoma before, right? Yeah, twice. Okay. Um, Sonoma is death by a thousand hills. So, like, we didn't talk about the vert profile and distance and things like that. But, yeah, it's like 10,000 feet. And these climbs aren't long, gradual climbs. There are a lot of punchy 100 to 400-foot climbs over and over and over again. So something that you do need to come to Sonoma with is, like, seasoned quads and the ability to – really resist um like all that pounding mile after mile after mile and one of my um i didn't mention them in my top three but allison baca is somebody that i think is in that podium potential because like her vert and her ability to descend is unlike no other i um got to run a little bit with her at western states training camp last year and she ran western states and i'm just peeking at her training here and she has a march 25th a 20 miler with 8400 feet of climbing so I feel like she's somebody that's going to have like the most seasoned quads coming into Sonoma. And I could see that very much favoring somebody who has come into Sonoma with that style of training. Wow. Yeah. That's a massive run, but yeah, I mean, there are, there's like legitimately well over a hundred climbs and descents on this race, which it's, it's hard to find anything that you can train on. That's, you know, really like that. Cause you know, if you do the same exact hill over and over, that's, that's different because all the hills are different. Uh, sizes and slightly different gradients. And this is the easiest race to go out too hard on because the climbs on the way out don't seem that big. You can pretty much always see the top of it and you get that big mental win when you can see the top of the climb. But for most of the climbs on the way out, for how fast people are going, like if they put the blinders on and just looked straight down and felt the incline and was like, if I'm doing a 50 mile with 10,000 feet of climbing, should I be going this hard on the climb right now? And the answer is almost always no. But because they can see the top of the climb, they're like, oh, I can just surge right up to it. Same thing with going back down. You stride out because you're like, oh, I'm just about to hit the bottom. Then when you turn around and come back, all of the climbs, they're massive all of a sudden. They've all grown by like a factor of 10. But the descents didn't get any bigger. So now you're super gassed at the top of the climb. You descend and you're on the next climb before you're anywhere near recovered and ready for it. So then you end up having the snowball effect of getting just worse and worse and worse every climb on the way back. Um, and that's why you see some people positive splitting by like one, two plus hours, um, which I think I'm in that hour, hour plus positive split from my first uh, go at Sonoma. Brett, I, I took the liberty of essentially copying Leah's format and made a couple of different categories of runners. Should I should I lead us into the men's field or do you want to take us there? No, go for it. I yeah, I just I slacked on my list. I have no categories. I've just got bullet points underneath people. All right. Uh, Leah, they say imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, so here I go. First category, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, uh, you have what I call the emergence of a newish generation of trail runners. So People like Aubrey Meyer, Seth Ruling, Matt Seidel, Preston Cates, Chris Myers, Caleb Olson, Joey DeFeo, Trayson Knopp. These guys are all between the ages of 23 and 28. They're probably going to be competitive for the next 10 to 15 years. And this to me is like the start of their career. They're all potential rising stars. So I, I think we talked offline about how there's not a lot of like immediate firepower in this race in terms of like the Walmsleys and the Petermans of the world. But I think these are the types of guys that will be like what, what Tyler Green is right now. Um, you know, 10 years on in the sport. Then you've got what I call the current guard. I also kind of put Seth Ruling in this camp, but also Drew Holman, Morgan Elliott, Ryan Miller, Brett, I'm throwing you in there. I was going to have Steven Kirsch in there, but I guess he pulled out last minute. These are all guys that have either been around the sport for a while or they've registered some really big results and they're just slightly older than the previous group. Some star power here. I think that this group is led by Drew Holman, um, I was going to say about Kirsch, like I think this was going to be a great chance for him to have a really overwhelmingly impressive day. Maybe he'll do that later on down the road this spring. Um, But anyways, uh, same thing with Ryan Miller. Like maybe this is a chance for him to shake off a slightly disappointing result from Black Canyon. Uh, I also put Rich Lockwood in this group. Like I'm really curious to see he had a great 2022, but this will by far be the most competitive field he's raced in in his career. So how does he fare? Uh, and then the other group I have is what I'm calling the older guard. And this is Eric Sorensen, Charlie Ware, 
Jason Schlarb, Mario Mendoza, Chad Trammell. These are all guys in their mid to late 30s. They've been around the sport for quite some time. You have people like Eric Sorensen who have podiumed at speed good as early as last year. Uh, Charlie Weir, a multi-time Golden Ticket winner, Western States guy. Jason Schlarb, household name. So those are my categories. And uh, anyways, honor to you, Leah, but figured I'd, I'd kick us off there. <laughs> hey, I like that. So... Yeah, I mean those are those are great categories. Um, you know, if we're uh, diving deeper into it, do you see one of these categories having an advantage over the other? You know, one being like the seasoned experience, but maybe not necessarily in like that quote unquote physical prime anymore, or the young people with less experience, way more race miles in their bodies, etc. Which who? Who does this course play to better? This is just my guess. I, I think that this is going to be a six to six and a half hour race, probably six and a half hours given the course conditions next Saturday. And to me, when you're looking at a six and a half hour race, that's pretty runnable. I feel like you can be that younger, more brash runner who might make a mistake or two at like mile 35 to 40 and still not totally uh, pay the price. Like you're still, you can still kind of hang on by a thread at the six hour mark. So I, I personally lean towards that younger group. Like I'll, we can talk about our top threes in a second, but mine is kind of front loaded with this, this uh, newest generation group. I would argue that yes, that strategy can work for six, six and a half hours, but when you put heat into the mix, yeah, that's when these new guys will probably start to falter a little bit. So yeah Just that's that's very thought. true yeah this yeah i mean it's i'm i'm just i mean i'm glad that the race starts on an uphill and not a downhill um like did you guys see those opening splits from the formidable 50k um like their first oh, it was disgusting the men's lead pack their first full mile was like 440 mm-hmm. um which yeah 440 not 540 like because <laughs> like it's, it's gross but, so I'm I'm hoping that you know the first two miles like being s- so much uphill allows for a slightly steadier start, um, kind of get like the, the the nerves the excitement out of the way and then people are more chill by the time they hit the trail. But I mean that's probably not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, my first year that I ran Lake Sonoma, I mean, Carl Meltzer blew by me at like mile 42, like to the point where I like heard someone coming off. I mean, I just like stepped off the trail and he like looked by me like, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? Why are you not even trying to race me? You goon. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this this course can really go to go to anyone, but you you have to be a little bit smart. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think you can, you can get away with being a little bit dumb cause it's not a hundred K, um, which the debate has always gone. Do you treat this race like a long 50 K or a short hundred K? Mm-hmm. Cause those are two pretty different strategies. I think if there was no heat to Leah's point, I would treat it like a long 50 K, but with the presence of heat, maybe a short hundred K. I don't know what I'm going to do. Are you, yeah, I'm <laughs> to ask, how are you going to treat it? I, I want to go into it like the same way I did Havelina where I'm just going to use the first few miles to feel out like what's going on and then just kind of react off of it. Um, I think that's the way to do it. I'm just going to go, like, I'm just going to go with the gut. Yeah. I'm just going to go with the gut and race and um, try my best not to fall off that 30 foot log (laughs) at mile 13, get eaten by (laughs) alligators. We should share that photo in the, in the notes, Finn. Yeah, it's on the Healdsburg Run Company. It's on their Instagram of one of the water crossings of mile 13. Everyone should check that out because that that will be exciting. Yeah, it looks like straight out of like an amusement park. Yeah, full-on log rolling competition. <laughs> yeah. Shameless ad drop here. If you're taking ketones in the middle of the race, your brain space is going to be so dialed that that log crossing is going to be nothing. You're going to be, every foot strike is going to be absolutely perfect. Yeah, I'm banking on that. I got the ketones, the Morton, uh, bicarb. That's right. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Hydrogels. We full nutritional robot during this. We'll throw, race, we'll, throw so. we'll throw in some goo energy there too. You know. Oh yeah. Give me all the stuff. Leah, are there any athletes for you on the men's side that stand out? 
Oh gosh. Well, yes, I, I agree with all of your rankings and categorization. I will preface this um, spiel with, I feel like Drew Holman was robbed in 2022 of Uroy top 10 status. Yes. 100%. Yes. Um, 100%. 100%. <laughs> highway style. I'm just putting that out there before I go into my depth, depth and analysis here. Like Drew Holman, I mean, his results in 2022, for those of you listening, I'm just going to rattle them off because it was incredible. He got a third place, very close third place at Ultra Child Cape Town to close his year, which was a huge international result and like an impeccably run race. I love how Drew races. He runs intelligently, but also competitively the entire time. I feel like he really knows himself. And every race he did last year, we saw that he got, um, was it fifth place at Western States? I think a second place to John Ray at Quad Rock 50 by like just a few minutes. And then also um, a top spot at Chuckanut last year too. So like all very competitive races, great results, like within minutes of the leader in all these races, he didn't win any of those, but like incredible races that 100% deserved to be in the top 10 for the men's Uroy. So I'll get down off of that horse, but <laughs> I think, yeah, I, gotta add to I it. don't think, yeah, add to it, please. So I just watched, first of all, thank you so much for bringing up this I- immense injustice in the old running community. I just watched this <laughs> Netflix documentary about the Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 that went down, disappeared. No one knows where it went. This is how I feel about Drew's Uroy vote. Where did it go? No one knows. It should be there. We should have found it by now, but it's not there. <laughs> Anyways. Very similar comparison. Like, I can't think of a more similar comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just top of the dome. (laughs) Anywho, yeah, I think, um, I personally think this is Drew Holman's race to lose. I think he, like, his training's incredible. He had this, I forgot to write it down in my notes, but this Gold Hill in Boulder run on, I think, like, March 23rd to 25th, sometime recently, where, I mean, he ran 20-some miles with four to 5,000 feet of vert and just like five something pace on all the downhill miles, six something pace on all the uphill miles took a boulder crown with a very stacked top 10. I think he took that Strava crown from David Roach and the top 10 has people like Matt Daniels, Hayden Hawks, Adam Mary, Justin Grunewald, just incredible. So I think this course really suits him like long runnable. He's good with vert. I think he's going to be stellar. Question. So if Drew, does really well at this race. What's his future race plan? Like? That's a great question because really he's good. the only person in this field that is also in on Western States entrance. Yeah. List. And he's not really known to be like a prolific racer. No. And that's something that I really like about his racing. He, and that's why last year was such an injustice. He picked and chose wisely raced incredibly in every single race Maybe Drew's going to do the, like, this will be the last year of ultra running I ever do if I don't make the Uroy off of Lake Sonoma, Worlds, <laughs> Western States. He's like the Barry Sanders of ultra running. Yes. Like, he, except he has to get, he's got to get that win. Like, what did, yeah, Drew might just end up racing like a thousand miles of ultras this year yeah. at like a hyper competitive level. I bet he still gets left off the Uroy. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Drew could care less. He's like the nicest, most humble guy alive. So it doesn't even think about these things. I feel like we just all feel the injustice for him. <laughs> yes. So assuming then that he's going to go back and run Western States. Yeah. So are we like, is he going to rob someone of a world spot at Lake Sonoma? Potentially. Yeah. Like, yeah, potentially. And maybe this just forces it to the Drew. ligament. Yeah. <laughs> But maybe this is just forcing it to what we talked about is like having the best world's team as resume spots. So I know, maybe he yeah. just wants us to have the best world's team. He's doing it to get <laughs> someone else to get picked. Yes. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I can I can play up some scenarios in my head that <laughs> that are interesting off of that. Like he's playing defense for someone who submitted an application. Yeah. Oh I wow. Agree. Finn was right about the the airline thing, like the conspiracy yeah. theories are flying wild around Drew Thank Holman. You. You're right. <laughs> it, was a, it was a perfect reference. <laughs> oh my gosh. Crazy. Uh. 
can I can I say one more person? Oh go. yeah, but no, I go. I have somebody go. I want to give a feature it's, to. It's, if the, it's same the same person. person. Oh. Yep. Yeah, Caleb Olson. <laughs> um, Caleb Olson are. I mean, I'm biased and I'll, yeah, I will scream my biases from the rooftop. But yeah, Caleb's been crushing the training. He was the top American at CCC last year. Fan, what place was he? 13th. 13th. Amazing. But, but ran like um, period by an hour too. Yeah. Just, and he did, um, oh, wow. Yeah. Mike, Mike helped me with some of my notes here. And he said, Caleb will look very handsome in a USA kit. Thanks, Mike. And he told me I needed to read that. <laughs> but um, he was the top American this past year, just ahead of Stephen Kirsch at CCC. Um, ran Red Mountain 55K recently in St. George, Utah. Um, like seven-minute seven, seven minute pace-ish for 35 miles of 4,000 feet. Really good with vert and speed, a combo of everything. And he's another person, similar to Allison Baca, um, just threw down another really vert-heavy run recently on our local mountain Um from the Valley floor in Salt Lake, Mount Olympus by doing a double a couple weekends back. So he did a 21 miler with 10,000 yes. feet. So I think Caleb's going to be coming to the start line with some seasoned quads. And I think that's going to serve him quite well the longer the race goes on. Perfect description. I love Mike's addendum that he's a very photo, <laughs> very photogenic person that will do great with uh, USA running branding. One, one thing I'll say about future, future roommate for like Sonoma weekend <laughs> yes. as well. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. Yes. One thing I'll say about Caleb, and I'll illustrate it with a quote from Wheezy F Baby. The F stands for franchise. Ooh. The quote is, "Oh Jesus, real G's move in silence like lasagna," and that describes Caleb to a T. He doesn't spray on social media. He's not going to tell you he's the best. He's just going to go out there and he's going to take care of it on the course. And there's going to be a ton of narrative violations because you're going to have all these people out there that are supposed to win, and Caleb is going to come up and just eat him up in the second half of the race. And I think that was what's going to happen at Lake Sonoma. So he may be a random baller in the eyes of some people, but his resume is stout. And uh, I think he deserves to be at the top of the field by the end of this race next Saturday. Beautifully put, Finn. Part of me wants to take the microphone away from you, but then part of me really enjoys you having the microphone. So you can keep saying stuff like that. It's his creative outlet. Um, yeah, it's something. <laughs> What are, can we talk a little bit about historic times here? So we know, um, what we're shooting for this weekend. Yeah. This weekend? Um, okay. Wait, so I'm going off the top of my head, but I'm, oh wait, I think it's all disappeared from ultra sign up. I'm on the wrong website. Duh, Jim Wamsley has gone under six hours and he's the only sub six. I think he also has the second fastest time at like six Oh three, six Oh four. And then Jared Hazen, Jared Hazen has the third, fastest i believe also in the six o's and then on the ladies side i thought that the course record was still stephanie howe um mm-hmm. and i think keely henninger ran a close uh second fastest time there a couple years back. okay jim wamsley 551 jim wamsley six flat jared hazen 608 and then on the ladies side stephanie howe 708 Keely Henninger, 713. Yo Wang, 714. And then Cassie Scallion, Scallon, uh, 722. And yeah, I, I bet this course is probably a little bit slower than it used to be. And it's just the, the I'd say yeah, it's just it, beat up. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's like by nature of like the kind of adapted course, this, I think it's at least five minutes slower um, just by having more single track, less cruisy, you know, double track Mm -hmm. or road or whatever it was. Um, And then I think conditions this year would probably slow it down by another five minutes or so. Yeah. At least five to 10. Yeah, I would say so. And yeah, I mean, this has got to be one of the more stout uh, just record books across. across most like ultras. I mean, it's, it's a pretty established race. I mean, it's been around, mm-hmm. at least the results archive goes back to 2008, but I mean, just looking at some of the top names, um, you know, for people that have, there's people who've raced at Lake Sonoma and had success here have gone on to have very good trail and ultra running careers. Um, you know, like beyond Cassie, it's kind of like Casey Licktag, anime Flynn, Emily Torrance, Addie Bracey, Camille Heron, Magda, 
Um, like that's a lot of really good people. Like who is going to etch their name in these history books? We got Zach Miller, Rob Carr, Sage Kennedy, Tom Evans, Dakota Jones. They've all wow. run well at this race. Yeah. And we should add that this used to be a golden ticket race yeah. back in the day. So that was probably a big attraction for some of those big names then. Too. Absolutely. And I feel like this, this field is definitely approaching golden ticket level field. I mean, I, is it, is it yeah. a hot take to say that this field is more competitive than the current Canyons hundred K field? Yes. Not a hot take. It's true. Not That's a, a cold take. take. That's yeah, an obvious true. take. That's a- <laughs> it's just a take. Yeah. And like, that's, that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, like there's so much competition this time of year, how much all these races are pulling competition too, in my opinion. From each other. Should I pivot to canyons? <laughs> I think this is the third, I think this is the third most competitive race of the year. I think it's probably Western States, then black Canyon. And then this race, what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, well, Western States hasn't happened yet. So this will be number two until Western States, but I think when black it all Canyon, shakes out, I think black Canyons field is still better than, than this one, but not by too much. No, I think the women's field is very comparable to the black Canyon. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Men's field at black Canyon, slightly more competitive, mm-hmm. but very similar, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I just didn't think that an early season race, not a golden ticket race would be this competitive. And, you know, perhaps that also just is saying something about just the magnitude that uh, like ultra running, like American and North American ultra running is out right now is there's that many people who are that good where they can actually be spread apart across non-golden ticket races, world's races, and actually still field like a great Western States, a great world's team. Um, yeah, the sport, the sport's growing. Maybe there is room for everybody. <laughs> Brett, who's your podium? Um, well, I didn't actually write one. Oh, he's. <laughs> but yeah, we were we weren't gonna do. I could I could write a if I wasn't I could create like a, if I wasn't racing who's on my podium sort of podium, which I'm kind of yeah do that. So I was gonna go uh, Drew Holman, Seth Ruling, Eric Sorensen. That was first, second, third. Sorry, I reversed that order from the nice. ladies. I've got Ryan Miller at number one. I feel like uh, I feel like he has he's he's going to be on a redemption tour here, looking to get the result he was looking for at Black Canyon. So I got him winning this race. I know we didn't talk about him much during that discussion, but he's a real talent. Drew Holman in second, Caleb Olson in third. Nice. Okay, I've got. I'll go back. Can I, I'm just going to do five because I... You got five. No. Don't got five on yeah, it. Yeah, I'll go five. Okay. I got five on it. You she got to, five, five on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go top down. Okay, I got Drew Drew winning. I've got Ryan Miller with the redemption run. I love watching Ryan Miller race. He's just amazing. And it's always like so emotional watching him cross mm. the finish line. And I'm huge Ryan fan and I think he's gonna have a great day at Sonoma and I know he wants to make the world's team I've got Caleb Olson in third and I've got Brett Hornig always being the uh, bridesmaid in fourth here you know what That's <laughs> and I've got good. some good notes here yeah I've got um some Mike McMonagle notes in my spreadsheet he wrote one does not simply split 625 halfway at Havelina and not run at least a similar time at Lake Sonoma Yes. Nice take. Um, and then he said either his fourth place 1345 at Havelino was a huge breakout or the rest of his racing resume is a bunch of Are we of talking tricks. about me so right now? Take that. <laughs> yeah. Does, 625 on the Sonoma course is better than 1345 hey. at Havelino. In my opinion. I do. Do you think? Yes. Do you think? Oh. I think well, yeah, I mean I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, I think Mike's partially right. It's not that I choked at all. my. I ran to my best of my ability at most of those other races. I was just like not training that well. I think Havelina was the first race where I like trained like a big kid. Well, your training recently has been training like a big kid. So who's not to say 625 at 
Like I mean, yeah, you're right. Not it's, possible. Training in the winter sucks. I know you guys have been getting more snow. I ran in the snow yesterday, like and I'm like normal. so over it. <laughs> hey, but you do well in the heat, so. Yes, when I saw that the temperatures were going up, mm-hmm. I was stoked about that because, yeah, I mean, you just like let it be a hundred on Lake Sonoma Day. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> One last thing to say uh, on the men's side. Um, Again, sources have been telling us that Jim Walmsley is interested in submitting a resume. Jared Hazen, Adrian McDonald, Matt Seidel, who's in this race, Rich Lockwood, I think Drew Holman, maybe Cody Reed. So in addition to those potential resume folks, uh, with the three that get the spots here next Saturday, Brett, do you think that this, that we're looking at, not just one gold on the women's side, but two gold medals in the 80K race at Worlds in June, potentially? It's interesting to like look at the kind of the podiums that have gotten picked out on versus the men's and the women's side. And I think the the women's podium, I think makes a better Worlds team than our men's podium for the Worlds course. And that's, and that's, that's not out of speculation. I mean, you could speculate and say like, oh, well, these guys could definitely run really well. But it's like of our women's podium that we all picked, all, like all of them have thrown down legit mountain results where it's like if they just did that again at Worlds and then you add a couple other like, you know, like Claire Gallagher, it's like you, prob- you probably have a gold medal. I don't know if the same could be said exactly on the men's side. I mean, I think then it would be headlined by Caleb. Olsen, um, Drew's done some, you know, pretty great big races, but I don't know if any of them have been quite in that like massive mountain type setting. Um, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong on that, but, um, and then same, like, like you guys both had Ryan Miller on your podium, which like that, I feel like, like this, like Sonoma course is a big jump up in difficulty in terms of vert from races that he's had success at um in the past so you know there's i think there's again like if the men's field gets thrown into the actual world's course next weekend i think the podiums look completely different and perhaps better suited for the actual world's course you know with that being said there's actually there's time to train for worlds so uh that's important but um yeah, again, kind of just goes back to like, yeah, Sonoma's kind of a strange world's qualifier course, but at the same time, it's kind of one of the best options that exists prior to an early June worlds. I guess maybe that's part of the root of the problem is worlds is at the beginning of June. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of sh- strange because usually the like big global championships and other sports are towards the end of the year as, you know, people, it's like, the finale to the season, which was how Worlds was last year. And putting it at the beginning of June does not do that. I'll say one final thought, and then I'll give you all the mic before we sign off. My final thought for this whole thing is actually looking forward to the World Championships in June in Austria. And all I can think about is how this is going to be another demonstration of how ultra running, how trail running can be a team sport. And in my opinion, how much cooler it is when it becomes a team sport, all the dynamics that are added in racing, not just for yourself, but for uh, your fellow competitors, your country, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully this uh, sows more seeds into all the athletes in our sport and the operators to how cool that can be. And hopefully we we evolve from it into other areas of the sport. So that is, uh, that's what I have to say. Um, Brett, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I would love to see worlds continue to gain momentum um, and like, you know, people donning the USA kit. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole idea behind that's cool. And the one thing that's also unique about the world championships is it's, it's one of the few elite only trail races in our sport where it's a chance for most people to just watch, um, you know, even it's something like, Western states, you know, maybe there's 50 people in the elite field. There's still 300 people that don't get to watch the race because they're in it. Um, you know, UTMB, it's a larger number, but worlds like pretty much all the fans of the sport just get to 
go watch it now. Um, and that's kind of a cool, unique thing. So um, that's, yeah, that's why I'm excited about getting more excited about, you know, just like the whole world mountain running championships. And I mean, last year, like, yeah, you guys, you guys made it look really cool last year. Yeah, hats off. Lee. You've had the experience. What was it like? And what are your final thoughts? Oh, it was so cool. And I think it like lives up to the hype that you saw last year. It was like a hands down lifetime experience. So I want everybody to experience it. And I think, yeah, each location is going to have a different vibe to it. So I think um, Austria is going to be incredible. And I'm really excited to be out at Lake Sonoma next weekend to see all the action go down as a fly on the wall. And I'm so happy to not be racing. It's going to just blind country. <laughs> Yeah, you just get to yeah, you just get to hang out, sip on some wine, fill the fill that hydro flask. Thanks for listening. Before we sign off, if you are a fan of the show, please consider supporting us with a rating and a review in your podcast player, a donation on Patreon, or the use of our sponsor discount codes in the show notes. We really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, I'm your host Finn Melanson, and you have been listening to the Single Track Podcast.